Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So um, I have Tier with us from Black Rifle Company. Um, I met him at the Boar Biz event uh, that I went to back in August that I've been, you know, telling you guys about um, throughout the show. And, um, you know, I just started talking to him a little bit um, and just about what they do. And, you know, like anybody else, I'm just trying to, you know, find out more about the, the veteran owned company, find out more about what they do for our veterans uh, like, and um, just also trying to find out more about himself and, and uh, you know, who he is as a person and what, you know, what advice he might have um, for us. So um, welcome to here. I appreciate you coming out, man. Um, if you can just give us a little bit of background of who you are. So the audience knows, you know, who we're talking to. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me out here uh, in my own house. Um, <laughs> My name is Cheer Simak. I'm uh, my full-time job is the uh, charitable giving manager for Black Rifle Coffee Company and the director of the BRCC Fund and whatever else they throw at me. <laughs> and uh, I'm still serving part-time in uh, 19th Special Forces Group as a Special Forces Sergeant Major. Dope, man. So how 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 is that? Just like just the that title alone, I think is just an, an awesome title. How does it? You know, how does that, you know, you, you're still in the special forces. So how do you do both of those things? That seems like it's a huge title. And I feel like there's a lot that goes into that, but then there's also a lot that goes into, you know, you serving the role that you do for black rifle company. Yeah. It's uh it's three full-time jobs. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of hours. Um, I transitioned or a few months ago, I transitioned out of, uh, out of a uh, really, uh, time, time suck. Uh, you know what? I don't want to say time suck because it makes it sound like it was for no <laughs> Um, a very dedicated leadership position as a company sergeant major, mm. and I'd held that position for a little over four years. Um, into more of an administrative role. Uh, mm -hmm. just kind of taking a knee for a minute so I can focus more on um, on my civilian job. Uh, but it, it was challenging and it was hard to step, step back from that role, even though, uh, I'd done more than my allotted amount of time in that leadership position. Um, it was still, it's, it's like, uh, voice to men said, you know, it's so hard, it's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> Why is you... if you're going to catch that before? I... <laughs> no, I got you. Or something. Um, so what? what's kept you in for so long like before we get into like the why you joined and stuff like that like why like why haven't you gotten out after 26 years you can get out <laughs> i didn't nobody told me um i i originally enlisted for a two-year contract um and in fact i was uh i was originally looking at joining the marine corps uh but they wanted me for six and uh I was like, man, if I, if I join for six years, I'm going to be really old when I get out <laughs> at 24. And uh, the Army would give me 20000 for school and, uh, and only a two-year enlistment. I thought that was a better deal. So that's, that's why I joined the Army. But it, it really was only for two years. And then I re-upped for two. And then I re-upped for two. And then I went to selection. And... Uh, selection i mean once you go in sf that's a that's a that's a commitment right there i mean if if you're only planning on serving another two years after that 
Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> so First off, what you can't? But second, I mean, that's a that's a complete lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. So what was it that kept you like? So at the time when you did when you did go into the special forces, how long were you in your career already? Uh, five five years. Okay, so yeah. then twenty one more years. So what made you say twenty more twenty one more years? And why have like? Are you looking at thirty or or you don't uh, know? I don't know. I haven't really put a number on it. Um, okay. What I've told the people I answer to is as long as I can, uh, as long as I'm relevant and needed, I'll stick around. Mm. Um, I, um, I got promoted pretty fast. I made eight and 14 years and I made nine at 17, 18, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was honestly probably a little too fast. Uh, I've learned a lot that I should have already known um, mm. since pinning on my star. But um, at this point, to be honest, I mean, I'm pretty much just taking care of the taking care of the, the people, you know, taking care of the the, the guys that, that work for me and the guys that I work with, and that's mm. why I'm that's why I'm still doing it. So just for the leadership role. And just yeah, I mean, my run and gun days are, are done. I mean, yeah. I, I can still shoot uh, and, and whatnot, but, you know, it's it's not I'm not here for the glory anymore. That's for, yeah. that's for sure. No, I got that. So um, so you said that you were at one point looking at the army, the Marines, and then the army got you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, is it something like are you one of those people who like, oh, I, I grew up and I knew I was going to join the military? Or were you never in your life going to join and this just kind of fell in your lap? Like when I was in elementary school, uh, all I wanted to be was a fighter pilot. Um, and then uh, I, I got a hold of some Birkenstocks and my views changed dramatically uh, when I was in high school to the point where um, I called myself a pacifist. Like I did not picture myself joining the military at all. In fact, my stepdad was a Quaker pastor and they don't join the military. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're, they're a turn the other cheek people. And I'm glad we have people like that. Cause it's a good balance for mm-hmm. people that don't, uh, don't offer up anything but violence, but, um, no, I did not picture myself ever joining the military. Uh, at least when I was legal enough to do it. The reason I joined was because I dropped out of, uh, I dropped out of journalism school to be a ski bum in Oregon, and uh, I didn't have money to go back to college, and I had a pregnant girlfriend, oh, which wow. is also frowned upon uh, when you're a pastor's kid. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I needed I needed school money, and the military was the easiest way to do it. And again, six years versus two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what changed for me is um, uh, fatherhood. Yeah. Once I had, once I was holding my own kid in my arms, I realized that there were things that I'd kill for. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that there was, there were things that I would inflict violence on other people in order to defend. Yeah. So how did your, how did your stepfather and your family feel when you came at them with the, Hey, I'm going to go join the army. Um, I've, I've been uh, historically a pretty stubborn kid. Mm-hmm. So th- they weren't extremely supportive of it initially, uh, but uh, but they knew that I was going to do it if I said I was going to do it. 
Mm. Um, all that's changed. Um, they, uh, my, my stepmom, sorry, my stepdad and my mom both resigned from their positions uh, in the in the Quaker Church because uh, I was in I was in Baghdad working as a contractor, and my little brother was uh, an eleven Bravo an infantry infantryman and also deployed. I think oh, he wow. was in Afghanistan at the time. But there were um, there was uh, a semi radical group in the Bay Area that was loosely affiliated with uh, um, like a, a local church down there in the same denomination. And I asked my mom if they were part of it and she didn't answer me. Instead, she sent me her letter of resignation from the church. Oh, wow. As, as kind of a letter of support. So they've, they've definitely uh, switched. Now I think they both have, between the two of them, I think they have more guns than I do. So, <laughs> definitely swapped and when i say that i don't i don't want to put down the prince church because they're a great organization and they've got a strong history of of helping out um people in this country that need a lot of help i mean they mm -hmm. there was people in uh in that church that uh were uh were key key personnel in the underground railroad um they helped out in the bureau of indian affairs when the government was failing just miserably. Mm -hmm. They've got, they've got a strong history um, in this country and they've got a spot, but uh, it's not a spot for me. Yeah. So, um, so I guess another thing I wanted to ask you too was, so I remember when I was listening to the episode um, that you had done with um, Daisy May, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, one of the things that, I, that you were bringing, you guys brought up in that episode was just talking about like, the differences between today's veterans versus prior veterans like Vietnam and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, with you being in the military for as long as you have been, you know, some of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, you, you know, I wasn't in during Vietnam. No. Yeah. I know that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've served, you have you served with people at that time or like that? Yeah, my first team sergeant you? was a Vietnam vet and yeah. I had a sergeant major when I first got into SF that was uh that was in MACV SOG. Um, but he was he was MACV SOG as a PFC. So it was, you know, it's not like he was. Yeah. But I mean, what I'm what I'm asking is that you've you've seen the generations of different veterans coming out of the military, you yourself being a veteran. Mm -hmm. So you know, some of the what my question is is that you've been through you've been through different deployments, especially being special forces. So, do you have you know has there ever been any times where you've had to go through anything, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's PTSD or anything like that? And what advice would you give to anybody that may be going through that? Um, because like I've had a lot so far in my episodes, I've had a lot of people come out and talk about you know, different alcoholism issues they've had and some ways that they've gotten through it. So I'm sure, or I'm, I'm asking really if, if you've gone through any of those things while being in the military and, or if you've, you know, has seen it firsthand, especially as a Sergeant Major, like, have you dealt with it? Or if you have any advice for that? I've dealt with alcohol related issues from uh, people working for me as a Sergeant Major. Um, huh. And that's, that's a fun challenge. Um, I, I haven't had any substance abuse issues personally. Um, but I, I can say that when I first, the first time I've really tried to reintegrate both with my family and 
society on the state side. Um, it was like 11 years ago. I found myself uh, turning to turning to the bottle sounds so cliche I would just find myself needing a drink and it wasn't it wasn't a draw of of the drug I wasn't addicted to alcohol I just I just needed a drink and uh I think if I had continued down that path it could have developed into uh a habit but uh I don't know I just I never made a habit of it, I guess. And there were other things that happened there. I mean, I, honestly, I I think I replaced what could have been an alcohol habit with deploying again. That's kind of what stopped that. And unfortunately, deploying can be a bit of an addiction. I've I've seen that for for guys that have the option to um, to deployment hop. I've seen that, uh, and. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I kicked that. I mean, obviously the, the deployment cycle and, um, and unit posture and everything else has a, has a say in that. So maybe that helped, but uh, um, I, I also had a bit of an epiphany in that um, I came home uh, from a particular deployment uh, and everything, everything was gone for me. Like, uh, I had to move. My family didn't go with me. I, I lost my wife, uh, in that, in, in a previous deployment. Let's say I lost her like she died. I, I, I lost her in that we decided during that deployment, like very early on deployment that we were done mm. and we had been done for a bit. We just hadn't voiced it. Yeah. But when I came home from that trip, um, you know, I needed to move to Virginia and, uh, my, my son ran away rather than move with me mm. and I still had to go to Virginia. So, uh, I went out there with, uh, kind of scraps of the, the world that I had built around me and the support structure that I had, or thought I had. And that was a really, really, really hard time for me. And uh, that was probably the I don't know if it was the lowest point, but it was pretty, pretty close to the lowest point. How, how far into your career was that? Like how many, like how many deployments that you had? Enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got more time down range as a civilian than I do in the military. Oh, really? So, yeah. So when I wasn't deploying as a Green Beret, I was deploying as a civilian Green Beret, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what's the difference between a Green Beret and an Army Ranger? What's the difference between the two? I know you're probably like, oh, my God, really? Uh, well, the reason I'm laughing is because just, just saying Army Ranger opens up a whole different debate about mm. what an Army Ranger is. Is mm -hmm. it somebody that's been to Ranger School? Is it somebody that was assigned to the 70th Ranger Regiment? Mm. Is it somebody that was assigned to 70th Regiment and has been to Ranger School? So because you can also get your ranger tab as a marine, right? Anybody can go to ranger school. Okay. Yeah. So then what's the difference between a ranger and a green beret? Like a green beret is the more badass of the two? Are you talking about somebody that's been to ranger school or are you talking about somebody from ranger regiment? Uh, I guess from ranger regiment. Okay. 
So if you are a soldier assigned to the 75th Ranger Regiment, uh, you are in an elite infantry battalion. Uh, and I've deployed with those guys and they are awesome. About half my ODA came from uh, 2nd Ranger Battalion at one point. Um, the one regret I have in my career is not going to Ranger Regiment before being Special Forces because I would have been better equipped to do my job. The learning, learning curve would have been far less steep. Mm. Special Forces have a different mission. We are, <clears throat> 70th Ranger Regiment, their primary mission is direct action. For Green Berets, Special Forces, that's one of our missions is direct, direct action. We have several others that uh, Rangers don't really like to do. <laughs> In my experience, you know, unconventional warfare and foreign internal defense, especially. Mm -hmm. um, so are they more badass than, than Rangers? It really depends on what your definition of badass is. Gotcha. Um, can we work in smaller elements than Rangers? Yeah, typically. And with, with more or uh, with, with less support in a more austere environment in that respect. Sure. Um, but if I had to pick somebody to get me out of a, Tough jam, it'd probably be the 75th. Tier one units, uh, you know, accepting, obviously. Got you. So um, so my next question really would just be how do you how do you think your time in the military has helped you get to where you are now in, in the civilian world? Like, does your job at all help you in your new in your job now in the civilian world? It does, but um, it's kind of a unfair advantage because I worked for Black Rifle Coffee, um, which was founded and is and uh, owned by a fellow Green Beret. Evan Hafer and I have known each other for about 20 years. We served together in special forces. So the culture um, on at least on our side of the house of the company uh, is is very special operations focused. We, we do do things a lot of the same way. I mean, his business plan was an op order. <laughs> so, and then when I, when I go off to do something, I typically write an op order. My fiance also works there and I just had her write one for the first time ever. And she just used the Ranger handbook. SH 21-76 as her outline. Nice. A lot of acronyms in there. She didn't understand <laughs> Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that paragraph. Yeah. Need to do a lot of, you to do a lot of training. Down. Yeah. Yeah, they gave her a lot of instruction. Yeah, but I mean, even um, even outside this company, I mean, I've I've gone through uh, PMP training online, and what I've found there is that uh, the the concepts were very similar to what I was used to in senior levels of of the military. It's just the the acronyms were different. Like if you took PMP and just replaced it with military decision making process. Not that much different. Makes sense. Um, so last night I had a, I did an interview with a Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps. He just retired. And one of the conversations that came up was the burden of leadership um, and how hard it can be being the person who's out there making the decisions and how sometimes that can come with a lot of, you know, issues later on in life, thinking back to, you know, decisions that you've made or anything like that. What um what experience have you had with that or like what like is there 
like have you felt that um that like that burden of leadership or or anything like that the the burden of leadership for me um in my experience has been um you know standing outside the fire you know when you're on a special forces team there is no tighter unit of of people of of individuals of men i mean it is we are the special forces is insular and um you know i get asked frequently when somebody finds out from a green brief i know so and so and sometimes i do because we went to a school together or you know we trained together or or, or we were on the same j set or deployment or something like that but usually no and that's not just because i'm i'm in the guard it's it's because out you've got 12 guys on a team and they don't go outside the team that much unless they're trying to get something done for their team. And then there's six teams in a company. So those guys might not, then they probably know everybody else in the company, but there's three companies in that battalion and they might be in the same building. They might not be, but if they're not in the same building, they probably don't know each other very well, except unless they're senior dudes going to get stuff done for their team. Or going to a conference or something like that. You get outside that battalion, and that it gets even more dispersed, more insular. So you'll have guys in the same group, on the same compound, on the same base, that have no idea who who somebody else is, other than maybe they saw him once walking, you know, walking to group headquarters. So, <clears throat> so for the burden of leadership for me, I mean, I was a team sergeant for about five years. And that's the best job in the military I ever had. Um, I, I had a really, really solid team. And some guys on that team have gone on to do some really cool things in places that we don't talk about on podcasts. Um, but now, you know, I'm, a, I'm an E9 now. And I'm the, there's guys that were on my team that are now team sergeants. And, of course, we talk. You know, they, I've got their trust. They trust me. But outside of that it's not like i'm in their team room uh you know i'm not one of the guys i'm not one of the guys anymore and that's the hardest part of from the burden of leadership is not being one of the guys but still taking care of the guys i think for some people once they get to that position it, as long as they got there because they were the right person you know but some people will get into a position of leadership and um, there's this school of thought where, where people think they can't be friends with their subordinates, um, that there has to be a hard delineation. And in, in some levels, that's true. When you're, when you're leading 18, 19 and 20 year olds, sure. I mean, the frontal cortex isn't fully formed and you're still shaping these guys. But when you're dealing with adults, full-grown men, people that have made plenty of decisions to be where they're at in the position they're at where you're leading them, I, I don't think that's true. I think you can be friends with your subordinates, but you still have to draw the line. You know, you have to be willing to accept that there's going to be a, a sense of familiarity there to where maybe they're they might still give you a little sass every once in a while. It's a certain level is acceptable because you want, 
you want to be able to get feedback from the bottom up. You don't want people to be afraid to talk to you or to give you radical transparency, to give you honest feedback. That's, that's really valuable in any leadership position. But you're still outside the fire. You're still outside the fire. So that, I don't know, to me, that's, that's the burden of leadership. I know, I understand that what he was probably talking about was uh, sending guys into combat and, you know, making decisions that affect life and death, but um, it's a little different in special forces in that our teams largely develop their own missions, their, their own intelligence and their own missions. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different. So now when you're, when you're a part of these teams, how long are you typically a part of these teams for? There's, there's no, standard all, there. there's no standard. No, it, it depends on what your job is. Like a, a captain will be only be on a team for two and a half years. If he's lucky two and a half, three, if he's really pushing it. Okay. Um, unless he finds some, some magic loophole or resigns his commission and becomes a warrant officer. Mm -hmm. um, so now when you, so now, you've i'm assuming have been part of many different teams yeah when you when you return back to like is that something that's like an issue like you know being with these 12 guys every single day and now going back to the normal like they're not around you type thing it is there like an issue there or like a kind of like a loss or like a like you miss being around them type thing oh, of course you miss being around them. yeah i mean that's your family i mean for some guys in, in the op tempo that we have, sometimes that's more family than your actual family um, because they've, they've got, you've had those shared experiences and the shared suffering. Um, and I think that when guys get out, um, that's, that's part of the struggle for, for guys when the EAS or ETS is they don't have that same family there. It's one, those guys are checking up on you daily whether they mean to or not because you're around each other constantly right and you're required to, to check in so if you're not they have to check in on you um but there's not that level of accountability when you get out so that's that's an issue yeah i i haven't uh struggled with that a lot because i again i was i was in charge for a long time and now i'm still in charge yeah now i just don't have anybody to bitch to <laughs> uh so um okay so then my next question is why did he like was there a reason he started it like why coffee like what was the or so just... i mean he 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 was already a coffee nerd he he roasted his own beans between rotations when he was a contractor and uh, brought him on deployments with him so oh, he was already really? doing that. Yeah. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So when he stopped contracting, um, he, uh, he and another veteran of our unit started a business called Twist Rate, uh, which was a crowdfunding website, but for the tactical community. And the, the reason there was a niche there is because banks wouldn't, this was basically like Kickstarter for guns but Kickstarter and other crowdfunding sources, they wouldn't touch anything that had to do with firearms because uh, they couldn't get funding to back it. All these were backed by banks. Banks wouldn't touch that. Like Evan found a bank in Utah that would, so they, they started this thing, but uh, their investors pulled out unexpectedly. And this was really his first 
I mean, he, he was invested in some smaller businesses, um, but just little side things, but this was his first big, this is my business and it failed. And one thing I know about Evan Hafer is when, uh, when he feels slighted by somebody, he will learn how to do their job just to show them up. It's kind of like, uh, in the, the other guys, you know, the movie, the other guys, yeah, yeah. when Mark Wahlberg, um, like learns to do ballet so he can make fun of the guy down the street and he does it better than the guy down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Evan is kind of like that. Like, uh, they spent thousands of dollars. This is one of was with twist rate. They spent thousands of dollars on, uh, on a marketing campaign. Evan didn't know anything about marketing at the time, but they got zero return on that investment. Evan got pissed off. He took online classes in marketing and figured out how to do it himself. Mm. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so when those investors pulled out, uh, he was kind of left with, well, what do I do now? And uh, he already knew how to roast coffee. So he went with that. And he just happened to meet up with, uh, he got introduced to to Jared Taylor and, and Matt Best and flew out to El Paso, Texas, where they lived to, to meet them. And he did a, like a, a limited run of coffee for uh, Article 15 clothing, which was Jared Taylor's company at the time. And uh, I think Matt owned part of it as well. I don't remember. Um, but that sold out very quickly. And uh, so that's kind of how Black Rival Coffee was started. Nice. And how did you, ago. besides knowing him, like how did you come into contact? And then what do you do for the company? Oh, it was just straight nepotism. <laughs> uh, Evan and I served together in, in special forces. So we've been friends for a very long time. Um, I was in Utah that weekend that he flew out to meet uh, oh. Matt and Jared. So I've, I've been around a while. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I started off writing for the Black Rifle Coffee blog under the pen name Charlie Martell, which is still my name on social media. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah. wait, I'm confused. What's that's that's why name? it's there. It's because <laughs> it's my pen name and now I can't get rid of it. Um, <laughs> but there's a story behind how that happened too. Um, yeah, but uh, I wasn't I wasn't done playing yet. So I, uh, I had to hang up my pen because I deployed with uh, a joint task force. And then I had another deployment right after that. And um, when I came back from those two deployments, um, I didn't have a job to come back to. So uh, Evan asked if I wanted to come back on and manage some projects. And that was 2019 and here I am. And um, I'm, uh, I'm currently the charitable giving manager and the director of the in-house nonprofit, the BRCC fund, which is how you met me. Yes. Um, I'm vacating that position at the new year, uh, very capable veteran, Jay Fain is taking, taking over the position and I'm gonna move on to manage another emerging project within Black Rifle Coffee, which is kind of what I've been doing since I've been on. I've just, they need somebody to manage something that hasn't actually been done before. It gets handed to me, I jack it up and then they take it away and give me another one. So you just got a whole bunch of different hats in your house. You're just yeah. switching them. So um, one of the other things, and I know you had mentioned that earlier, um, was being a father. So mm -hmm. you've, how, when your son was born in the beginning of your career, mm -hmm. right? Um, in Texas, yeah. 
So how did you manage, you know, I understand you had talked about the divorce, but how did you manage, you know, being a father, being a team leader, doing all these things and, and while, all while being a father, like, how was that on you? Poorly. I managed it poorly. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I put my job and my kind of lust for deployments ahead of my family so much that um, my family just, uh, they stopped, they, they started being more surprised when I was home than when I went somewhere. Uh, that's, that's not the way to do it. I don't, I don't recommend that anybody emulates me in that. I've, I've got some great experiences and some very unique things that will go look great in a book, but it's not going to replace the time that I lost with my family. So poorly in a word is how I managed it. And uh, you can't go back and make up for lost time and you can't turn a clock back and, and make your kids young again. Yeah. So I guess if there's a piece of advice that I'm offering, no, I was going to ask you is prioritize, prioritize in the, in the military and in really in any career, there's times where you're going to have to make sacrifices for your family is really going to have to make sacrifices. If, if you're going to move up, but the, they should never outweigh your duties as a father. Got you. And I'll, I'll leave it right at that because yeah. I don't think anything else needs to be said. No, you're, yeah. Why do you, if you don't want me asking, like, why do you, well, what was it at the time? Because like you said the lust for the deployment. What mm -hmm. is that what it was? It was just a rush of going back. It was like, do you think like, was there an explanation for it? Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but uh, I think more than that, it was, um, it was an 18 Delta with special forces medic. And there's not that many special forces medics in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had, we had conflicts going on on multiple fronts and I, I was in high demand. Um, and I, I, I felt like, or maybe I, I'll just say I justified it by saying, if not me, then who? Who's mm. going to go? So I went a lot. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. So you, you justified it. Okay. Um, so I guess my next question would really just be like, in all the wisdom that you have and all the time that you have, what advice would you give anybody that's looking into the special forces or that's like kind of, you know, battling that, you know, like the family, the work, the, you know, the education piece, like, and also, did you ever go back to school? Like, did you ever use your like you joined to go to school. Did you ever go back to school? Uh, I'm currently a fifth year junior in uh, Western Carolina University's pre-med program. Um, but the last time uh, I was a full-time student was in 2017 while I was on a deployment. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I got there. I got to my job. Uh, things were a little slow. So I foolishly enrolled in a full load of classes because... I was back in a fob being a pogue and um, then things picked up and I've very quickly regretted taking a full load of classes. 
um, but I managed it. Um, it's funny you say, did you ever go back? Because I was just thinking about uh, trying to start up again uh, now that I'm transitioning out of this role. But it's honestly, I'm just too busy with, you know, we, we talked about in front of this in the beginning of this podcast, I've got three full-time jobs. Yeah. You know, that's, that's excluding being a dad. Uh, so there's uh, right now there's just no time for school. I, gotcha. I would love there to be time for school. There's just no time for it. What, so what do you, so when you're not doing your three jobs, what do you like, what do you have hobbies? Do you, what do you do? My, my work is my hobby. Well, that's good at least. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I, the inflection I had on there makes it sound like want, want, pour. I do some awesome things with black rifle coffee. I mean, I've got a 10 day elk hunt coming up wow. uh, in, in Northern Idaho. Uh, you know, I was gone for a couple months out of the summer following this three archery tour. Um, and Wait, what remember. is, what does the elk hunt have to do with, with, like what is is like a fundraiser like what is it no it's we're shooting content oh yeah okay yeah you you got to follow the brand more man we do a lot i of I, I my bad i i need yeah. to because i've heard like when i told one of my buddies he's out in germany he's a gunny and i told him that i was having you know somebody from the uh, you are you on and he was like bro are you effing kidding me bro he was like dude that's so rad and yeah. i was like you really just used the word rad but okay <laughs> but uh no yeah I, and he said he's a huge fan he was like bro i he's like i have them ship me coffee to germany all the time he's been out yeah. there for like a year which is difficult to do because uh coffee is a restricted item by uh, German customs. We've, nah, he's he's got it. it. He came home yeah. with it. Yeah, good. <laughs> but um, so I guess my my next question would just be, what, like, can you explain a little bit more about the the nonprofit side of the house, the one that like which the RCC fund? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. So um, since the inception of Black Rifle Coffee, uh, there's always been giving back. Uh, whether it's just um, like owner's own money or the company donating money, whatever. Um, I think last year it was over a million, uh, but that was combined with Evan and Matt and other owners' contributions and uh, about 700K uh, out of the charitable giving budget, which was originally 400K, by the way. So, um, we we had as we've grown we've found that there's limitations on what we can do as a corporate entity like we have we'll have people reach out and or we'll know people that are needing something and part of my job as a charitable giving manager was to figure out how to help these people with black rifle assets but staying legal and you know, I would have, I would have having to recruit other nonprofits. I'm like, Hey, this is going on. If I gave you this amount of cash, could you help them out? And, you know, nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. And we'd form a partnership or, you know, unofficial partnership. And, and that's worked out really well, but uh, it's easier to do when you have your own nonprofit. So April of this year, we got our EIN as a registered 501c3, the BRCC fund. Um, and the mission is 
really close to what I have on the charitable giving side of Black Rifle Coffee on the corporate side. We support veterans, military, first responders, and conservation efforts. The difference is now we can give to uh, private individuals. So the focus for 21 for the BRCC fund has been to give five grand a week to veteran-owned businesses, particularly those that have been affected by COVID. Not limited to, but particularly those that's that have been awesome. affected by COVID. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. And I, and I think it's, and that's another reason why I wanted to have you on. Because I remember when I was at the event, I watched you, you know, you guys gave to like, I think like three different people, if I'm correct, you guys gave like you hadn't, there was numerous checks at least. Yeah, there um, were numerous checks. I'm trying to remember who, who all was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a fishing charity and yep, yep. Uh, a military uh, job placement service. Mm-hmm. And there's a third one. I don't remember who it was. There was a, I believe there was a third one, I think, but I, and that's how I met you. And, you know, and just, and that really was is a huge part of what I'm just trying to do is because there's a lot of things just go unnoticed. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't realize what is happening out there for veterans. And a lot of people don't see the giving back and the, the you know, the things that people are doing to, to either combat suicide or just be there to talk to somebody or just the accountability mm-hmm. piece. So, you know, I really think it's awesome, you know, and I, and that's why and a huge reason why I wanted to have you on is just to talk about, you know, what your company and what the company is doing um, for these people, because a lot of people just don't know where the, and, and I think it's, so it's, it's awesome just to understand like, you know, what's out there for people, where, you know, if I am, you know, someone who likes your coffee, okay, well, where's the money going to, or, you know, if I'm donating, where is it actually going to? And I think a lot of people just kind of lose face in that. They just forget like that these things are happening, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And there's multiple ways we give as well. I mean, I've had some money come from the marketing budget. I have my own budget from my company and then uh, fundraising on the BRCC fund side, um, which is hundred percent pass through black rifle coffee absorbs all the operating cost of, of the nonprofit so that any, everything that goes in goes back out, which is really cool. Uh, it's, oh, wow. it's, a, it's a difficult thing to, for a nonprofit to do. It's a mm-hmm. lot easier when we have the customer base that black rifle coffee has. Um, and so also, all that means is that we got to get you more customers so you can donate more money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. All yeah, right. I'll, 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 I'll put my order in tonight. Well, we also have a roundup option. When you check out, there's a little drop-down menu and there's I don't, I don't, can't remember who's featured on there right now. I think it's a special forces foundation, Hunter seven boot campaign. And I can't remember the fourth one. Um, but uh, we'll have between four and six nonprofits listed on the, the drop-down menu there. We try to rotate them out every once in a while. Um, but you can round up on your purchases as well. And that is, that's all customer money. That, didn't, that doesn't even come from us. It's just a, it's just a way for people to give. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I guess my last question really would just be, um, I don't really think I have any more, honestly. <laughs> well, let me throw out a plug then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a few places where you can find more about the uh, the BRCC fund. Uh, the Instagram and Facebook page is BRCC Gives. We've got okay. a joint um, social media uh, channel between the corporate side of the giving and the nonprofit. Um, we did that just so I can have employees actually manage the pages. And then on the website, um, brccfund.org 
there's an ATV giveaway on there right now. Um, Cabela's slash Bass Pro donated a brand new ATV. I don't remember how much the tickets are, but um, all that money goes straight to the BRCC fund, which means it goes straight back out to veterans, military and first responders and conservation. So people can get on that brccfund.org. Uh, I think that drawing is at the end of the month, if I'm not mistaken, 31 to September. So it's counting down. Hopefully this gets published uh, and out there in time for people to do that. Yeah, definitely. But so uh, we'd really I, appreciate people giving us a follow on social media. Definitely. I just thought of one more question. Okay. You said a lot of which you, you, that you were a writer. Do you still write? I do. Yeah. What do you what do you write and and do you have like a favorite writer? Do you have a favorite like poet or someone that you recommend to people? And like, yeah, um, I write uh, a lot of personal essays, narrative narrative essays. Um, I I don't have one particular genre. I do. Um, other than I guess personal experience. So there's there's that. Um, the Coffee or Die print magazine. Uh, I will have a humor piece coming out in that. Um, other than that, everything's been digital. I'd, I'd had one um, piece of prose published by uh, by Dead Reckoning in uh, in one of their their books. I think the last book they came out with. A um, couple books in the works, but they've been in the works for a couple of years. So it's one of those things. It's kind of like college. I got to wait till I have time or I make the time to do it. Wait till I don't have three jobs. Right. Yeah. Or make it one of my jobs. Yeah. All right. No doubt, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I, I really do. Uh, thank you for making the time for us. Um, and just thank you so much for what you're doing in the community and, and for veterans out there. And uh, I hope you have a good rest of the night and good luck with your elk hunt. And uh you know, all the rest of your future endeavors. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having all me. Right. Thanks a lot, brother.